that sheer force of grit and steel is impressive, but there is a drawback um, of empathy um, because as a leader, you can hold on so tightly to a goal and then not see how it's affecting your team, not see that the resources aren't available. When we talk about resiliency, yes, having a determined um, focus on the goal is important, but it's also being adaptable being able to bend and flex and not be so strict. Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Tori Jones is CEO and co-founder at PrismWork, a culture transformation company centered around the Hearty framework. Described in the amazing book I just finished reading, Intentional Power, The Six Essential Leadership Skills for Triple Bottom Line Impact, co-authored by Corey Jones, along with Leeson Stromberg and Jean-Anne Nichols. Hearty offers a new model of leadership built on six core competencies, humility, empathy, accountability, resiliency, transparency, and inclusivity. Intentional Power argues that to truly deliver triple bottom line impact, PPP, people, planet, profit, modern leaders must build their hearty power skills. From Dallas, Texas, welcome Corey Jones. Thank you, Nina. It's so wonderful to be here. I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk about leadership with you today. Thank you. Now, I really appreciate you send me a copy or your agent sent me a copy of, of your latest book that you co-authored, Intentional Power. And I thought, oh, yes, this will be a good leadership book. I didn't realize it was going to be a seminal model that really everybody can can go by. It's up there with Lencioni's uh, Five Dysfunctions of a, of a Team. It's up there with Ray Dalio's Principles, Life and Work. I am truly impressed. Wow, thank you. That is very high praise. And, and I am honored to be considered with such leaders uh, in this space um, and that the work brought that much value to you. Absolutely, because you've you've described it in behavioral terms too. Because the old the old traditional leadership was, you know, th- theoretical and uh, not really down to this is the behavior that you do. And at the end of every chapter, you you give an outline of the behaviors that will be applying the different uh, the different attributes, the different qualities. So we'll we'll go through them one by one. Uh, we have to try and keep keep the the <laughs> conversation down to sort of under thirty minutes, if possible. But you know, if if it goes longer, I'm sure that the uh, avid listeners will sort of st- stay with us and uh, and and listen through to the end. So, but I understand that all of this is based on research that your uh, company, that your CEO of and co-founder Prism Work, uh, led to a lot of findings that that resulted in this hearty model. So can you tell us a little bit about that research, please? Sure, sure. Absolutely. I'll, I'll back up a little bit. I, I, so I 
left my last corporate job in 2019 and um, out of leaving it, I mean, having a, a career of leadership roles, uh, entry level roles, middle management roles, executive roles, uh, I learned a lot about um, what it takes to be a leader. I was able to witness a lot of leaders um, stumble and succeed uh, in my journey. And then I also made a lot of my own learnings as a leader. And when I left uh, that last job, I said, I really want to focus on leadership. Uh, I had been an avid study of leaders, reading John Maxwell, and studying and working with people like T.D. Jakes and um, reading like Ray Dalio, those, all of those people that you talked about. Um, leadership was kind of uh, calling me. And I said, how can I focus on modern leadership, what it means to be a leader today? Um, because it's, it's definitely different because it's the, what I experienced and what, what I saw and my peers uh, was not sufficient. Uh, and that was in 2019 and had no idea that in the next year we were going to see COVID. And oh, the, 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 what is it? The black swan event that has changed yes, everything. And it, to some degree, some things have changed for the better in some areas. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but this, as well as all of the cultural strife through in America, you know, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, this racial cultural tension, Me Too was rising where, where women uh, were actually speaking their truth and understanding that um, their voices were powerful in this fight against abuse and toxic workplaces. And all of this stuff was swirling. And, and Nina, these are all attributed to leadership. It's yeah. the leadership at our companies um, and building places of belonging where people can do their best work. Um, and and in, that, in that approach of knowing that as a high level that leaders are always gonna be face challenges and look to lead a team through those challenges to the other side, um, we started to talk to other corporate leaders. We talked to um, experts in organizational beha uh, uh, behavior. Um, we talked to um, all kinds of people. We did surveys. We talked to thousands of people to understand what are the leadership skills that, um, that are successful to you. And we kept seeing these themes rise to the top. Humility, yeah, absolutely. Yep. empathy, accountability, resiliency, transparency, and inclusivity. And of course, they, they talk about leading with emotional intelligence. This is almost a textbook in that. So well done. Yes. Uh, and, and I love the, the new language that you bring in, because now we talk about modern leaders, capital M, capital L. And That's right. The, it's the hearty, H-E-A-R-T-I framework. And the first one is H for humility. And I learned a new word, which is decentering. Decentering. Decentering is a critical skill in humility where a leader steps aside to let others shine. Can you tell us about that, please, Corey? Absolutely. Um, humility really starts at recognizing your own limitations. Um, sometimes when we get caught up in leadership, we think that we have to carry the burden of knowing everything, of being everything to all, having all of the solutions. Uh, when honestly we're limited, we cannot do everything, uh, not to the highest level of excellence that's expected for these organizations. That's why we bring talented people in to work with us um, and inspire them to do that work. So when we decenter ourselves, we're taking, we're recognizing our own limitations as leaders to say, maybe I'm not the best person um, that can handle this, or maybe I don't have the best approach. Um, 
who are some of these brilliant minds that I'm working with um, that have great skills that are better at crunching numbers or doing whatever um, that I can lean on. And so I take myself out of the solution set and I bring and elevate these others around me that can um, that can perform at a better, higher level. And absolutely. When you give credit to others, especially in front of others, they will feel like contributing more. Nothing, nothing stops people from wanting to give their, uh, you know, extra effort, uh, an extra contribution than if, if the leader takes credit for some, for an idea or some action uh, that they, that someone else took and, and, and don't give credit to it. So it's, it's a diff- definitely a critical skill. Yes. Now, also in the area of humility, <laughs> there's, there's the Dunning-Kruger effect, which some people have heard of, and I've heard of it before. It's a cognitive bias when someone overestimates their own capability. So while overconfidence often leads to uh, people actually believing that they're competent, but when there's a big gap between com- confidence and competency, that's... Uh, uh, a bit of a bit of a red, red flag, really. So, uh, how is the Dunning Kruger effect a pitfall to avoid for the modern leader? Well, again, it goes back to recognizing your own limitations. The Dunning Kruger effect when you when you're doing that, when you're overconfident, um, you start to you have pitfalls. Uh, people start to recognize that you're not competent, and then you lose trust. Uh, your team starts to question your motives and question your ability to lead them through a challenge or to the next, to, you know, to that, that goal. So again, it's always easier to say, I don't know, or to take a step back <laughs> and let someone else step up um, so that you can have overall team success, because ultimately that's the goal, right? That you succeed as a team, not that we succeed as a leader and that, that I'm the one who accomplished the goal. And that's the, that's the interesting thread all the way through. You talk about this principle of from me to we, because right. if a, a traditional leader thinks that they have to be the, uh, the source of all knowledge, the decision maker, and not uh, take, go to their people with uh, uh, go to people with answers rather than with questions and let's resolve this together. That's where the Dunning-Kruger effect it tends to rise because because it's this tr- old traditional approach of, well, I have to be seen as the one that knows all the answers. Right. That's not true today, is it, Corey? That's not. Uh, we have to realise today that everyone brings an inherent power to the table, value to the company, to the team, to the project, it's not, it doesn't rest on the soldier shoulders of one person where they have all the power. Yes, they may have the title. Yes, they may be recognized by the company um, with that authority for whatever reason. But until that leader can recognize the power that their team brings and the fact that because they're, they're uh, um, attributing leadership to you, they're surrendering some of their own power. They're saying, okay, we trust you as a leader to get us to the next step. So I'm going to surrender some of my own autonomy and ability to make decisions because I trust that you're going to get us there. So when we when we understand that, that as a leader, that should give you a great responsibility to know that you need to be hardy. You need to have that human connection in order to honor the power that people are surrendering to you. And so you have to surrender to your own limitations by being humble. You have to. open up your own heart by being empathetic and, and moving on someone else's behalf 
Um, and you have to surrender some control sometimes by being accountable. Yes, as leaders, we have to be accountable to others. <laughs> it's not just about holding others accountable. We have to surrender some of that control. That's right. Uh, and I, I, I love the phrase, we need to be hearty. So now I understand the to, to describe the model, which is the hearty model, we need to be hearty. So, uh, and shortly we'll talk about the next uh, attribute, which is E. But before we do, you talk about an evolving self-leader, a self-aware mm-hmm. leader, uh, with humility, seeks feedback. Now, that can be hard for traditional leaders to do. The modern leader is probably more willing to do that. What do you, what, Any thoughts on that? Absolutely, because uh, uh, fee- <laughs> feedback is like a lifeline to your own growth. Um, and, and it removes, like if you're a driver and you have side mirrors and a rear view mirror, you still have blind spots that doesn't cover all of the, the vision behind you. You have to turn and look to, to get a better look for yourself. And sometimes that takes asking directly the people that you're working with, how am I doing? What needs to change? Um, how am I helping you succeed? I mean, it doesn't always have to be negative. You can, you know, you can get feedback of like, how am I helping you be a better? How am I helping this team? Because that is also very, very valuable for, for leaders. They don't always get that um, to understand how are the people seeing them? How can they? How can I use this feedback to be even better or more effective as I move forward? And of course, you can do that in a private one-on-one conversation, can't you? I, I, yes. I wouldn't be encouraging feedback in front of the group, but one-on-one, people can be honest because you have to be confident that they're coming from a good space of giving honest feedback, not trying to pull you down, not being competitive. Right. Uh, and so, so, but asking for feedback implies that you trust that you've got an adult to adult relationship. How important are a brief one-on-one meetings with, uh, with all your direct reports and, and what's the oh. frequency do you recommend? Oh, it's imperative. Um, I mean, the larger your organization, the larger direct reports you have, of course, the more challenging that is, oh. but you certainly should not be re- waiting for your quarterly or annual review to get an understanding of, of what your people um, think of you and also how you can support them. Uh, one-on-ones, it's a two-way street, right? You're providing uh, a platform, an opportunity for your people to share what's successful for them, what um, challenges they may have, um, how you can support them in that. And then, yes, how can you get better as a leader? Um, when I was uh, an executive leader um, and even a manager, I, I definitely spent, um, now my team size grew, but I, I tried to do at least once a month uh, one-on-one meeting with each report to get an understanding of, you know, I've of course had a large uh, overview of what the team or what the department was, was dealing with or handling from a performance standpoint, but what do you as a, as a, as a, as a team lead need, like, are you, how are the relationships with your peers? How are, are you getting the, 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 the work that you need done? Are, do you have the resources that you need? Is there some training that you need? How can I support you? So you get that feedback um, from them, how you can support that team. But of course, they're going to tell you, hey, um, I didn't like the way, you know, you assigned this project to me um, because I already had this going on. And, but, you know, that allows for you to either shift 
give them some some reasons uh, of of like here's why that I understand that that frustrated you, but here's why that had to happen, um, and it gives you a platform to be very transparent, uh, which is again we'll get to later, but very transparent with that team uh, member. And yes, one on ones are definitely effective. I will say it depends on the organization. Some organizations, Nina, are very transparent, and having a small group or a larger team meeting and having real constructive feedback with a leader is very effective and efficient. Um, but there are a lot of there are a lot of toxic workplaces and a lot of political games that get paid right. played in corporate America, and it's not always fruitful <laughs> to set yourself up as a leader to a a firing squad, if you will, for a people. That's that right. Change. That's right. So you got to pick. What is it? Pick. Pick uh, pick the situation, and you don't want to be in a situation where, uh, yeah, politics will get in the way. Uh, what you, what right. you want to do is actually, <laughs> it's it's utopia, isn't it? <laughs> have the <laughs> ideal workforce with uh, people that don't have any hidden agendas. But we're working towards uh, creating frameworks that will actually route out that uh, that uh, unresourceful behaviour. So, but look, after H for in Hearty is E for empathy, and there are three types of empathy that you talk about in the book, cognitive, emotional, and compassionate. But why is empathy so hard uh, in the workplace? Um, Empathy's hard because you have to use it um, all the time. And you can't pick and choose uh, when to be empathetic, right? So if you're going to be empathetic that, yes, um, this part's not going to come in on time. If you're in supply, the part's not going to reach it, reach um, this the factory in time. And so you have to then adjust your goals and, and understand how to make that happen. Um, a lot of people, a lot of leaders understand that. But then when you have a leader that says, hey, I've got um, something happening with my family at home and I need to step away uh, for, uh, you know, two or three days to address this, well, that's going to have an effect on the team. And a lot of leaders may not be as empathetic to that. Um, or it might be the, the the other way around. So being empathetic is challenging because we're so performance driven and, and accountable to those goals that anything that gets in the way or disrupts it, um, it's hard to hear. Um, and, and it's hard to hear that life is happening <laughs> when life happens to all of us. Um, right. If anything, COVID showed all of us that that we had to be very empathetic to understand that the needs of the people we're working with on a daily basis have changed. And the person that's sitting next to me is going to have different needs than the person that's sitting down the aisle for me. And if if you have been a traditional leader or of a generation that grew up in that traditional leadership style, uh, it's it's really easy to uh, just gradually modify your behavior. If you understand what what the modern leader is, is and, and the, the definition of a, the new modern leader, then we can really just incrementally improve the way we do things. And that's why the hearty framework is so easy to understand. Now, in A, we've got being accountable. So mm-hmm. oh, accountability. Um, I know Patrick Lencioni talks about team members being accountable to each other. And I think, well, you've got to learn the right speak. You've got to learn the right language in order to the person that you want to say, pull them up and say, you're not, you're not doing your bit. Mm -hmm. How does a leader do that in a way that doesn't distance or disassociate someone from you or alienate someone from you? It's tricky. 
Well, I, I, that's, again, all of these skills are so interconnected, right? Yeah. Um, and when you're being accountable, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll qualify it with this. If, if your team is all aligned on the purpose, if they're purpose aligned, um, then it's, it's easier to say, hey, what is happening with you, the situation you're having, however it's affecting you, it's affecting our ability to meet this goal. So as a leader, again, we have to step in and be empathetic in that moment of accountability to say, how can I support you? What do you need? Because your tasks are slipping behind. Um, the report that we needed um, that was supposed to go um, to leadership did not make it or I was not prepared uh, to go into the meeting because I didn't have your insights and data. All of that hard work uh, that we we're expecting didn't get to uh, make it. The, the leadership didn't get to see it. And I didn't get to tout how wonderful <laughs> the work is that you did and celebrate you in front of that team. So there are ways to to draw attention to the purpose of why we're doing things. And if someone's not motivated, how to inspire them to, to, to say, hey, we've agreed as a team. You may not like the accountability now, what's happening now, how, how you're being addressed, but this is something that we agreed upon, you know, earlier, you know, at the, at the start of this project. So we can adjust after this if we need to, but right now we have a dependency on you to meet this goal. So how can I support you in doing that, right? Again, offering how to be a servant in that, but really making it clear that um, we are missing the, the mark uh, and it is due to, to them. Okay, you talk, uh, Corey, about the team agreeing to things. Are we talking big picture, agreeing on how we do the work, you know, t- or, or is it what? Just tell us more about that. What, what are it's, people agreeing to and how do they agree to it? it it's setting accountable leaders are are more likely to hit their performance goals. Those who set OKRs or objective um, key results or set KPIs, key performance indicators, they're more likely to hit those goals because everyone sees what we're trying to achieve. And when we understand, hey, we want to reach this many people in this quarter and everyone can can attach uh, their, their tasks, their details, their actions to pursue that goal, then everyone is accountable and you're more likely to hit it. When there's no purpose, when there's no goals or objective set, it's harder to, to hold the team accountable and say, hey, we align to this because people say, I didn't even know what we were trying to do. <laughs> so how can I be accountable uh, to something where I'm not clear? So when I talk about team accountability and alignment, it's setting the purpose and having a true understanding of the objectives and goals. Okay, so that's probably because we've got a traditional leader that thinks I'm the one that needs to know what we're doing. I just really issue the orders and make sure everybody's on track. But people need to have a bigger picture of why, what is the organisation as a whole trying to do or what is this whole project as a whole trying to achieve? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Which feeds into transparency. Again, they're so interconnected. A transparent leader can help a team be more accountable because they're not hoarding the secrets. As you talked about traditional leadership, it is about secrecy. And you know, when when I think it's good for you to know, as opposed to sharing information and allowing the team um, uh, to work together uh, with that information to, to, to find the best best way forward. Yeah, great. Well, now we get to the R in hearty, which is resilience. Mm-hmm. Mm, what's the problem? Okay, you have a really interesting discussion on grit 
and that there's a problem with grit as it has been interpreted by people. So let's let's uh, explore grit and the the in the inherent assumption inside this concept of grit. Sure. sure. Uh, there's a there's a lot of attachment to grit and like the the in, in the states uh, 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 when when you talk about someone that's hold on holding on to something they might say they got that dog in them right that dog that'll grab onto a bone not let it go for any reason um, and that sheer force of grit and steel is impressive but there is a drawback um, of empathy, um, because as a leader, you can hold on so tightly to a goal and then not see how it's affecting your team, not see that the re- resources aren't available, not see um, that you're, you may ultimately even miss the goal because you're holding on to it so tightly because of market pressures or a new leadership vision or something that gets in the way of that goal. So when we talk about resiliency, yes, having a determined um, focus on the goal is important, but it's also being adaptable, being able to bend and flex and not be so strict on the methods, like you mentioned, the how, um, that you miss the opportunity to get to the goal in a more effective way. May I take just a minute to tell you about one of our partners that helps make Manage Self Lead Others happen, Apex Trader Funding, showing futures traders how to execute entries and exits with precision. Apex Trader Funding educates people in what is a futures contract, how to make money and hopefully avoid losing money with a futures contract, how does a trade happen, different markets to trade, how to make the decision to trade, and I must mention this disclaimer, you have to put in the learning time to really know what you're doing, to manage risk and manage profit, to know when to withdraw your profits and invest them elsewhere. How to start? Go to the FAQ tab at apextraderfunding.com. That's uh, HTTPS, apextraderfunding.com. Follow the links to do the masterclasses with Apex Investing Institute. Now, here's a promo code. When you are ready to apply to get started with funded trading with apextraderfunding.com, use my code, Nina Sunday, for the listener discount of 25 to 50% off. I invite you to go to episode 106 of Manage Self Lead Others podcast to find out more with my conversation with Daryl Martin of apextraderfunding.com. Now it's back to my fascinating conversation about Hearty with Corey Jones. And then let's just be really clear, excuse me, life continues to happen. There are many forces beyond our control. The economy, the, the, you know, there's wars that, that are happening right now um, and, and, and affect all kinds of things, the mental health of, of employees that we're working with, um, the supply chain, um, the leaders, the visions, what they plan to do in the next year. There are so many things outside of our control that we have to be a, 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 a able to adapt uh, and, and, and keep our eye on the goal, but at the same time, figure out an alternate path to get there. Yeah. Well, then when we talk about the the attributes or the core traits of resilient leaders, uh, what you what you list is very similar to I did an interview uh, a little while back with Dr. Uh, Novak and uh, mm-hmm. about resiliency. So I'll put in the show notes uh, a link to that episode. So 
it talks about um, having an internal locus of control being in uh, intrinsically uh, motivated instead of ex externally motivated, and also uh, being self-aware, being having a pragmatic appearance, acceptance of reality. So do you want to talk a little bit about how can someone increase their uh, attributes of resiliency? And this this can be good for anyone, whether they're a manager or an individual contributor. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the, the flip side of res resilience is is grace, <clears throat> is the ability to, to have grace for yourself um, and for the people around you. Because again, there are things that happen outside of our control. And so as we adapt uh, and move, we sometimes get caught up uh, on this didn't happen the way I saw it or that I knew that it was going to happen. And so we take that as a fault while still progressing towards the goal. So if we give ourselves grace, we can still see that, you know, we hit those targets um, and it allows us to, again, it feeds into empathy of understanding when our team members are affected by things outside of their control, um, how we can have grace to say, okay, how can we incorporate a new strategy um, to move forward? And of course, one of the the ways the book mentions uh, to increase resiliency is to accept micro failures as opportunities for growth, and that's having a growth mindset, which is also one of the traits of a modern Absolutely. leader. Yeah, Absolutely. Understanding that um, that you've not gotten there yet uh, is a one thing. I, last year or two years ago, I would have been saying, "I'm not an author. I'm not an author," and I should have been saying, "I'm not an author yet." because I have now achieved it and um, having that growth mindset of, of adding yet uh, to something um, it really helps you to understand that that is not necessarily a failure. It's just a, an opportunity for success delayed. And also, Corey, what was brilliant is you did it as a collaboration with Lisa Strongberg and Gina yes. Nichols, which are also in the organization Prism Work. They have other yes. roles. And what a beautiful way to do it. You did it from, from me to we. We yes. are co-authors rather than putting all that weight on your shoulders. Brilliant. Very good. We we, we really developed um, this concept of Hardy together um, uh, and we formed this company Prism Work to to bring the message of Hardy to corporate leaders. It's, it's my attempt to leave corporate America or the corporate environment, not just America, but the corporate environment better than I found it. And um, that's what prison work is. And then Jean Ann and Leeson are, have been teaching this at Stanford and California to business leaders all over the globe. So as we've you know helped to build this framework of Hardy and we've actively been using it in the world, we said the best way to do this is to collaborate, right? Now, there are challenges. How do we get a unified voice? How do we, you know, prioritize what goes in there? But all of that, it was a completely hearty experience, which doesn't mean that it was easy. <laughs> it means <laughs> no. that there was a challenge um, for us to come together, but extremely proud of the work um, and, 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 and really excited by the response that we've gotten because leaders are continuously telling us that these are the skills that they need. And when they master them, they see a lot of success in the workplace. Yes. Well, now we come to the T in Hearty, which is transparency and possibly, I mean, A-G-A-R-T, that's nice, but I think this could be one of the more tricky uh, attributes to explore transparency. So it it builds employee trust. It uh, uh, it it uh, fosters collaboration. So how 
How can we develop more transparency in the workplace? I mean, uh, we'll talk a bit about Ray Dalio, who uh, talks about radical candor. Do you know I've brought up radical candor and they go, oh, that sounds hard to me. So is there a better term than radical candor? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I like radical candor. I'm a, you know, I've spent years in creative. And so a lot of that is is making people think differently, how to peak their brains. And sometimes we 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 use words that are are like spotlights to say oh my gosh look here and radical candor does does do that um you can't be reckless right so radical candor but not reckless um how you share information um so there is still a bit of discretion that's needed but if 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 there's no reason to hoard the information as a leader share it with your team. I'm sure there's some insights. They've had some experience or they've had um, some understanding of that data to say, here's an alternate perspective. Here's something you may not have thought of. Um, And it takes that trust uh, of your team in order to get the trust from your team, to trust that you can share this information with them and they're not going to take it and, and be petty with it or or, or anything like this, that they are all adults. And as we share um, relevant information to them about where the team's going, how the company's doing. I mean, a lot of times as in leaders, we're, we're, we're asked to kind of shade the negative of what's going on because employees might bolt or jump ship. Whereas sometimes they're just looking for you to be a real partner and say, hey, we're having some challenges now. Here's why we're making certain decisions on budget or making certain decisions on this. And they're, they're included and they feel like they're brought along in the decision-making as opposed to um, edicts coming down because their leadership never shared anything for them for months. And then it seems like, oh my goodness, where did this come from out of nowhere? And you know what? When when information is withheld, especially if there's uh, financial challenges with the uh, organization, if leaders don't share, people pick it up and they make up their own story. And often the story that they create in their head is worse than the reality. And they might Absolutely. jump ship because of some story they've created in their head, That's right. not due to reality. You're much better off saying, listen, we're going through a rough patch. We all need to pitch in. And honestly, people will will respond to that truth. Isn't that right? That's absolutely right. Uh, again, they feel like they're being brought along, um, not kept in the dark. Um, it, all, it, all it takes as a leader for you is to, to lose that trust one time, for you to have either told a little white lie or to not share some pertinent pertinent information um, that the team could have, you know, maybe hit their goals even faster if you'd shared it earlier um, for them to say, I'm going to discount everything that you say to me. <laughs> I'm not going to believe it That's or I'm going to question it. Never once lie or people will really doubt you forever. So you That's can't, right. the white lies uh, just uh, are not uh, lack, lack integrity. And of course, with accountability and with transparency, what goes with it is psychological safety. How right. you express that transparent thought, uh, any thoughts right. on psychological safety, which is in the book as well. It is a hot topic. Um, in fact, it's so it's one of those terms that, it, like radical candor, has gotten a. It's like a lightning rod. A lot of people think, well, why do I? Why do my employees need to be psychologically safe? They just need to be, you know. Well, we've got health insurance for them. 
Um, what does that have to do with them doing my, their job? And psychological safety is, means a lot uh, for, for everyone. I mean, we can dive into different groups um, and identities, but for the neurodivergent, for sure, having the ability to, un, to, to know that they are psychologically safe in, in their quirks, in their divergence, to be able to bring their best work um, allows you to get the best work. Um, for people to to know that their their employer, their their team lead has their back um, with all of the the mess that's happening uh, in their family or in the world today, and it, and it may affect how they show up at work. Maybe they're depressed because of the news. You can tell them to turn off the TV, but you know if the, oh. if it is affecting them, it is going to affect how they perform. So setting up a resource where your employees can be psychologically safe. Um, physically safe, um, just safe all around and have good well-being is a is a good um, good best practice for a leader to have. And, and, and what we've provided is an approachable way. We've heard this every <laughs> all the time from uh, from leaders, uh, chief HR officers, learning and development officers, you've provided an, an approachable way to discuss psychological safety because whereas people, thought of it as nebulous and not really wanting to get into it or thought as a very negative thing. They now have a, they have language um, to talk about psychological exactly. safety. Exactly. It, it's, it's a, it's a term that allows for the fact that uh, people can express maybe what's a harebrained idea, but they're not going to be uh, judged for it or disapproved because of it or criticised. Because otherwise, if you criticise people because they shared an idea that was maybe a little bit left of field, they won't they won't share another idea. And you've got you've got some people that are introvert, deep thinkers. Mm-hmm. They will take it to heart if if an, mm-hmm. if they share an idea and it's not at least received. Just sharing an idea doesn't assume that you're going to say yes, agree, and do it. But you need to be open to people just sharing ideas and welcoming that and thanking them for that and say that we'll take that on board. So it's about right. and you that acceptance. Be, yeah. And some people may not be introverted. Actually, Nina, they may be choosing to be introverted oh. because they've been ignored for so long, right? There's tons of accounts of women and people of color um, that will say, well, I just won't speak up because I know every time I say, every time I do speak up, someone's going to talk over me. They're going to disregard it or discount it. Um, or someone else is going to say the same thing and get all the credit. So I'm not psychologically safe bringing my best of sharing my insights and data um, of speaking up in this meeting because it's going to be disregarded. Yeah. Just before we move on to the I and hearty, the, I, I got to the chapter on transparency, authenticity and code switching that's a new term for me. Can you tell me a little bit more about code switching? I saw it as I, di- I Googled it, you know, um, speaking different language to different people, but is that how you mean it or? Um, it is, it is language. It is culture. It's shared meaning. It's all of it. Right. So code switching is yes. Th- there is a, a, a standard way of speaking, of interacting with people, especially in corporate spaces, 
Uh, I'll say it's a, a lot like how we're talking now. We're speaking in English. We're speaking, yeah. you know, clear English um, where everyone, anyone listening into our conversation is going to have a, a, a touch point to say, I understand what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. I, I can follow along. And when you're code switching, that means that you also have another way of communicating through your your mannerisms, through your speak, through your language and your vocabulary, through the, the way that you carry yourself, um, the subjects that you talk about. And you don't bring those into corporate spaces because it, it makes people feel uncomfortable. Um, but what's a growing sentiment is the ability to code switch and be comfortable bringing your whole self. Because there might oh, be someone Oh, I else. see what you mean. Not pretending to be some somebody other than yourself at work. That's right. Not being one That's person right. at work and another person outside. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So when, especially when you have someone that has a shared identity at work with you, um, you may talk a certain way. Um, I may be talking to another black man, American black man. And we're saying, I might say I, they got the dog in them. And you're like, what does that mean? I don't get that. Right. Um, and so code switching doesn't always allow you to bring people in. It's not always the most inclusive uh, thing, but it does provide a shared experience and that sense of belonging, uh, ability for people to be themselves in your workplaces, on your teams, in your spaces. So there's a, there's a rising uh, call for people um, to stop code switching and just be themselves. Right. And like, Interesting. Like, yes. So th- th- I, I love the different terms and language that I'm picking up that I now will incorporate in, in my own work. Um, th- there are lots of stories too. And I was intrigued by the one about someone, uh, a company having a salary party. We're at the party. Will you tell us how the salary party went? <laughs> uh that's Help one, me. That's the one where they all get together and they write down oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. card what they exactly. and then they suddenly reveal it together. So, and the men were so, shocked. They didn't believe that women got lower pay, and suddenly they found out that's true. There were a group of leaders, and um they were sure that everyone was having equal pay. Of course, most of these leaders were were men. And um, they said, OK, let's let's compare. Let's see. And all of the women knew. Right. It's like they knew that they were being uh, not paid. And so when they shared, like you said, all these men were shocked. They could not believe it um, and went into action to say, hey, how do we get pay equity? Um, how do we um, restore the balance? Um, because this is not right. So before we end this wonderful conversation, Corey, I do want to uh, mention about when in your book, because I got the audio book as well. And my favorite way to read a book is to get the audio book at the same time. I can be driving around doing errands, but then I've got the real book to go back to and see the words with my own eyes. So I love doing it that way. And I found it interesting that it wasn't just DEI, it was DEIB. And I went, oh, what's the B? B is belonging. And we've got another uh, episode just on the rules of belonging. So it's lovely that you've now created a new language around DEI. It's DEIB, diversity, Mm -hmm. equity, inclusion, and belonging. Thank you. Thank you for that question. So Hardy is really kind of the heart and foundation of prison work. It's it's our way into leaders. Uh, We really are focused on 
powering modern leaders to get the, the tools that they need for their team so that they can have success where everyone can thrive. And um, the first way to do that is, of course, they can read the book, purchase the book, um, and get a true understanding of Hardy. We also have an assessment called the Hardy Leader Quotient, and you can go there by hardyquotient.com. And what happens is you, it takes about 10 to 15 minutes, if you will, to go through a series of questions. And as you mentioned, these are all behavioral questions, not theoretical, but how do you show up as a leader? Um, and it's self-reported. And what you find is what your strength is. Uh, we, ex we know that, that you're strong. Everyone understands each of these components of hardy. We don't expect everyone to be fully hardy all the time, right? Everyone brings an individual leadership style and they're gonna have individual strengths, those things that come naturally to you. So in this assessment, you'll understand what that is, what comes naturally to you from, you might be a very empathetic leader and everyone is willing to come to you and share their thoughts and you're able to put that into actionable um, um, task, or you may be ex extremely transparent <laughs> where you share everything and everybody knows, you know, what's going on in your life and the workplace and everything else. Um, there are some drawbacks, of course, to all of Maybe these Maybe you're an oversharer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you over-index in them, but you find out what comes naturally. And then you also understand where you're vulnerable, right? Um, maybe you're not as humble um, as you are inclusive. And how do you, now that you know that about yourself, how can you move differently? But it really is about you understanding how you show up in the world as a modern leader. Um, and th then we have other tools that, you know, just outside of that, we have a 360 version. So it's not just self-reported. Then you have other people ask, answering those questions for you. And you say, am I, sh I show up this way? And then they say, no, you show up this way. And you get a real reflection of what your intent is as a leader. Is it being reflected back to you by, by how people experience your leadership style? Um, we'll take those assessments. We'll do leadership development. Um, we, we work one-on-one. -on -one. We use it to work one-on-one -on -one with, with executive leaders um, and, and do coaching so that they can become more hardy. Um, we also use hardy as a way for, for leaders to, to understand how to be better allies in the workplace, um, how to navigate the, the new challenges that they may face. We've, we've introduced Hardy to leaders on how to return, how to uh, do re, uh, remote or, or hybrid working in the, in the heart of COVID uh, instead of forcing people back in the office, we used Hardy to help people get a real plan and uh -huh. talk to their middle managers and their um, frontline workers to have a real uh, um approach that everyone agreed to was aligned with and they they were successful we've used it to help people launch ergs we've used it um to uh help leaders uh like i said be better allies in the workplace and so hardy is really a universal tool set for leaders to apply to the challenges that they face and when you have a better understanding of how you show up as a person and then when we work with teams you understand how you show up as an organization are you a more resilient organization or are you more accountable organization um we right. help to oh, we help so, to lead. so you can actually uh do a profile for an organization not just an individual that's really that's right that's exactly right so bef uh, with accountability Corey, is there any anything else important that you'd like to mention about that attribute Absolutely. I think the, the, the primary thing that people think about and understand with accountability is performance and profits. 
How do we make money? And most companies are dedicated to meet the needs of the shareholder in that way, that the profit is king and it is the most important thing. But it's not just that singular bottom line that we talk about when we talk about accountability. It's the triple bottom line. It's not only how do we make profits, how do we protect the planet and the people that live on it? So when we talk about accountability, we we move it to 300% accountability where we're considering all stakeholders. And when we say all stakeholders, we include the earth as a stakeholder uh, in that conversation. And so how are we accountable to the planet that feeds us, that protects us, that nurtures us? Uh, and how, do we, how are we accountable to the people um, that live on it, that we share it with? And that means our coworkers. So accountability is, is bigger than just the, the money in our pocket. It is also about um, how we meet the needs of the planet and our people. And that is so important, Corey, that you've put it in the subtitle being for triple bottom line impact, PPP, planet, people, profit. That's right. Well, well done. It's it's a it's a, a perfect a perfect mix and a wonderful goal. So, Corey, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an honour to speak with the CEO of Prism Work and the co-author of Intentional Power. Uh, Really interesting read, and I refer everybody to get this book. And as I say, get the audio book as well. It's beautifully, beautifully read by a professional. So I, I thank you so much for your time and much success with uh, all your ventures. And uh, thank you for helping to elevate and transform the workplace. Workplace. Culture. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nina, for having me. Thank you for allowing me to, to talk about Intentional Power. It's been quite a joy to launch this project with Lisa Stromberg and Jean Ann Nichols uh, into the workplace uh, and into the market uh, for people to read it. And the feedback that we're getting is amazing. So I really appreciate the time. I appreciate your thoughtful and insightful questions. Um, it has been a wonderful conversation and I can't wait to get to Australia. This episode, I was speaking with Corey Jones, CEO and co-founder at Prism Work, a culture transformation company centered around the Hearty framework. The book he co-authored with Leeson Stromberg and Gina Nichols is Intentional Power, the six essential leadership skills for triple bottom line. Go to the show notes for a link to the Hearty assessment and do so within 45 days of this uh of this episode and there is a code for you to get a uh, a discount thanks for listening to manage self lead others i'm your host nina sunday connect with me on linkedin and let me know what you like about manage self lead others suggest a speaker or an author to uh to have a conversation with and uh until the next episode enjoy good things nina sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture to book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>